Vuvuzela. Vuvuzela? <laughs> so there's this uh, character in Destiny mm-hmm. who just, he, at some point, he just goes Vuvuzela because he's talking about Zavala, who is played by, uh, oh, what's his name? The guy that we were just talking about the other day oh, oh, oh. Uh, from Fringe. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and <laughs> so now that's kind of like a meme about Destiny is where people will just say Vuvuzela. Okay. <laughs> Trying to do it in his voice. Wonderful. Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick, that's correct. Yes. Um, yeah. I I really like that he introduces the fact in the second season premiere of Fringe that Fringe is in the same universe as the X-Files. Yes. Because everything needs to be tied in. But that one's so perfect. It's almost a little too on the it, nose. It is a little too on the nose, but they're both Fox, so... Now, if they just said they was in the same universe as Sliders... I'd have been all about that. Oh yeah. I love sliders. Fuck yeah. Um I I believe we were we were just talking about the the shape of modern horror Mm -hmm. and how Jonathan doesn't like jump scares. Yeah. I don't I I like gore. Like I don't know what it is. Not not like in like a I should probably get checked out kind of way that I like gore. I just it's one of those things that doesn't bug me. Right. And I enjoy a good kill in a horror movie. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I like when um, the jump scares you sparingly. I the, I think about um, Let the Right One In or something where like the whole f- movie's atmospheric and then there's just like one time where it's like... Psh, yeah, they, well, it's like even The Sixth Sense had like the most perfect jump yeah. scare. Oh, yeah, The Sixth Sense. Sitting there and it's like so cold. Right. And I remember seeing that movie in the theaters and... <laughs> That moment happened, and everybody just kind of went, <gasps> and then like a second later, you just hear one guy at the other end of the theater going, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I, I like a good jump scare. Um, I think the Babadook has a couple really good ones. I still need to see that. Oh, the Babadook's yeah. so good. I just watched Suspiria for the first time. The the seventies one. Oh, the seventies one. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. the the remake, the Luca Guadagnino one, is really good. Oh, it's a completely different movie, though. Yeah, that's what I heard. No. I really liked the the look of the um, the original, but I don't know if it's just the copy I watched. But it had maybe it's the same with every um, English copy, but it just had a really bad dub that was kind of distracting. <laughs> I just, for me, my issue is I'm a fat guy, and there are two things I try to stay away from because of my heart, and that's jump scares and cocaine. <laughs> so. Don't want to, don't want to end up like Chris Farley. That's right. Mm. <laughs> Poor guy got jump scared to death. Jump scared to death. <laughs> Actually, uh, the the jump scare came in the uh, the audience reaction of Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's actually a very real thing. Like uh, Chris Farley never overcame his depression from how much people hated Beverly Hills Ninja. Mm. Yeah. That's just it was really bad though. Having watched it, it recently, just, I agree. Well, how about uh how about we talk about a movie then? I like movies. I, I, I would hope so. Otherwise, what are we doing? Pretty poor podcast in general. I don't really trust people who don't um, like movies, to be honest. It's a weird thing for people you don't to like not art. Like. There are some things I hear somebody say that they don't like and it makes no sense to me, but then I just look at it like, you know what? You do you. And one person say, I don't like games. Like board games specifically, I think is what it was. I'm like, how do you 
maybe maybe somebody just hasn't played the right game with you. So maybe it's the same thing with movies. Like they just maybe so haven't found the right movie. Hold out hope. Yeah. Or they're just wrong. people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman and i'm jonathan pierce and i'm zach mccoy and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar worsty podcast a show where we discuss oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what film are we watching this week zach this week we're watching cavalcade an epic film about the defining moments of europe in the early 20th century told through the lens of some people you won't really give a shit about I don't agree with yep. that. I, I, mm. all right, Paul, yep. do your rundown. I got words. Okay. All right. So let's do <laughs> an Oscar breakdown. Uh, we are in the sixth Academy Awards and <clears throat> the Academy has decided to get smart and start shifting to a calendar gear being the eligibility. So this Oscars goes from August of 1932 August 1st of 1932 to December 31st of 1933. So we have a 17 month eligibility wow. period. Nice. Yep. Um, I thought you were going to go the other way where I was like, <laughs> we had a five month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been interesting. All right. No, nope. uh, no, nope. they went the other way. So we got 17 months of movies. Um, most of the small notes here are, not as interesting. I should have gotten my book out. I got my book this week. I found it hanging out somewhere in my house. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm very excited about it. So uh, let's go ahead and do this breakdown real quick. Cavalcade, of course, wins Best Picture. Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Best Picture nominees this year. Uh, Cavalcade also picks up Best Director for Frank Lloyd. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is his second Academy Award win. He was also one of the founders of the the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. Okay. Just in case anybody needs to know that. Um, Bias! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's about right. Um, he won for The Divine Lady. Yeah. Okay. okay. So this is his second Academy Award okay. for Best Director. Cool. Um, Charles Lawton wins Best Actor for The Private Life of Henry VIII, which is in the Criterion Collection and is on the Criterion Channel. Sorry for that rustling. Um, uh, Catherine Hepburn wins her first Oscar for a film called Morning Glory and uh, was not a very popular decision because around this time, Catherine Hepburn was considered box office poison. That's insanity. Yeah, that's pretty. Can funny. you ever believe that being a thing? <laughs> no. Uh, best original story goes to One Way Passage. Best adaptation goes to Little Women, which it should have in 2019 as well. Uh, should not have gone to Jojo Rabbit, a very lackluster film. I have still yet to see both of those, but both I plan on seeing soon. Me too. Little Little Women is a masterpiece. Jojo Rabbit is okay. Uh. 
if you want to see a better version of Jojo Rabbit, see uh, To Be or Not To Be, specifically the remake done by Mel Brooks, which is excellent. Okay. Uh, Cavalcade wins Best Art Direction. Uh, oh, I should say that uh, Catherine Hepburn beat out Diana Winnard, uh, Winyard, who was Jane in Cavalcade. She's the only acting, the only acting nomination for the film. Uh, Farewell to Arms wins Best Cinematography. So this is Harris wins Best Live Action Short. Krakatoa wins Best Live Action Short Subject Novelty. Sorry, the other one was comedy. And uh, back to my podcast within a podcast, Walt Disney Oscar Watch. Walt Disney wins his third Academy Award for The Three Little Pigs. And apparently during his speech this year is the first time anybody during a broadcast of the Academy Awards uh, calls the statuette an Oscar. Oh, he didn't create the nickname. He's just the first one to say it on a broadcast. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, Farewell to Arms wins Best Sound Recording. Uh, this is also, I believe, the first year that they start giving sound recording to uh, the people actually doing the sound recording and not just the studio itself. So Franklin Hansen is the first person to win Best Sound Recording and not studio. Okay. And we get a new category, pushing our categories up to 13. And that category is Best Assistant Director. Would you like to guess how many people are nominated for Best Assistant Director? <laughs> 30 3 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 18 people (laughs) got nominated for best assistant director would you like to guess how many people won best assistant director one three seven Uh, damn it seven (laughs) people the wrong way seven people won one award (laughs) for different for different things nice all of them win for the studio they're working for, not for specific pictures, too. So that's, yeah, that's, that's just a whole other yeah. weird-ass thing they did. I'm uh, glad they don't know. do that anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's some ridiculous old shit. Um, and, and this year, also, Shirley Temple wins an honorary juvenile award for being Shirley Temple. I mean, if anyone's going to win the Shirley Temple award for being Shirley Temple, I feel like Shirley Temple's the one who should be getting that. <laughs> Good job, Shirley Temple. I'm really upset they don't still give out that award and call it the Shirley Temple Award because it looks like she's the first person to win this special juvenile honorary award. Yeah. Fair enough. Should be a thing. All right. Yeah, because I... So is that our Oscar... Oh, I was going to say, I, I totally would have given it to Noah Jupe for Honey Boy last year. I'd have given it to Shirley Temple. I feel like Shirley Temple would win every year. For winning From the, Shirley the grave. Temple for being Shirley Temple. <laughs> That's fair. All right, so is that our Oscar That's breakdown? That's our Oscar breakdown for the year 13... Um, 13 categories Cavalcade is nominated for four awards and it wins three of them best director best picture and uh, best art direction losing best actress to the great Catherine Hepburn fair enough all right all right so now I want to touch upon what Zach said on his synopsis okay let's do this here is what I sent to you guys while watching the I'd say first third of this movie Oh, was this? I believe was this everybody's first time watching this. Yes. Yeah, I'll be honest. This is the first movie and very one of the very few Best Picture winners that I'd actually never heard of. Like I like 
So what the hell is cavalcade? Like, what what does that even mean? I had to look it up because I'd never heard the word. And this one, this was another one I haven't heard of either. But the rest of them, I think I would have at least kind of caught in the background of my life. Yeah. But yeah, or at least hanging around with Paul enough would have uh, <laughs> heard it said at least, at once. least once. So um, okay. So this being my first uh, first time seeing this movie, I I enjoyed it, but the first, like I said, third of this movie was a competition on what character do I hate the most? See, and I, I immediately almost loved everybody. <laughs> uh, there was a clear winner, though, by the oh, way. Oh, who was the winner? Uh, Annie. By, like, a long mile. The servant? She was the servant. She, like, she showed up after Robert had come back from uh, South oh, Africa. Oh, the weird kind oh. of giggly girl? Oh, yeah. okay. Right. Yes. Okay. No. Yeah, she sucks. The, where is Africa? <laughs> But where is Africa? Original flat earther. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yeah, like, oh god, she was terrible. But no, like every character, every single. Well, all right, you know what? No, Edward was fine. Robert was fine. I literally everybody else from that point on, I hated. Hated. I'm I'm actually and, surprised um, Zach doesn't love Robert because he is Robert. Yeah. Oh. I, I like Robert all right. <laughs> just, that dude loves his wife. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm trying not to be prejudiced against British people here, but the movie just it was so <laughs> so British. It was so, so very British. British. But, and but it didn't feel super to me personally. I it, the British thing that usually gets me where it's like, wow, this is so dry, like I, really dry. Yeah. But for me, it was either bad character or Diana Weiner staring at the fucking camera the entire goddamn movie. Um, this is one of the times that her um, experience as a stage actor really stood out to me because I found her distracting and I didn't. I didn't yes. buy the emotion of See, her character. I, I just fell in love with no. her. I love that character no. so much. No. I think oh. of all the films we've watched so far, she is one of my top three favorite characters. Well, I think that's what kind of so, hinges, I guess, on our difference of opinion here, really. Because yeah, I don't know. I, I I could not get past the staring at the camera. <laughs> where, like Zach said, I think that was just theater acting. Oh God, and. It, it just, oh, God, it was so immersion-breaking. And this was a film, I think, if you compare this movie to something like uh, Cimarron, on how pacing and how to do through the years should be done, outside of really, really fucking long military <laughs> montages. It's weird, too. Kind of. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I but, agree. But I, I thought that a lot of this movie was really well done. And like, all right, we just watched how they went from the end of the Victorian era into the current, their current modern age seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah. So you much better. And this being a much better version of Cimarron was immediately my first thought. Me too. It was like the one big note I had during Cimarron was that they didn't live in each era that they mm-hmm. that they put on screen, and I feel like this one did that. Yeah, every era, it did. every era they were in, they let it breathe. 
they let it move except for one. And I think that was the worst scene of any film we've watched so far. <laughs> okay, so now we get to bring it up. So Paul had messaged us a couple of days ago, and he had said something along the line of, I really like this movie, except for this one scene. You'll know it when you see it. And Zach had messaged this morning going, well, which one was it? I have a feeling, but I don't know for sure. Please tell me what you the, think it I is, because I think, I think Batman's right with me. <laughs> My guess is the 1920s flapper montage with the... No, I really the, enjoyed no? that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed all the Noel Coward music in this, too. Okay. I think every song was wonderful. All right. Well, So the, uh, the clue that I got to what was going to be the problem was the second she said, I really like steamboats. And then you saw the Titanic lifesaver. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Zach, you look so confused (laughs) right now. Okay. I rewatched that part of the movie. She said steamboats. I I guess I missed it. So um, the older son um, and the other most attractive person in the whole fucking yeah, movie, that dude, by the way, yeah. the, the girl. Like, no, like, she she was like, holy shit. Um, I mean, they get married um, and go on their honeymoon aboard the Titanic. And, so, so yeah. the scene before they're on the Titanic, they're sitting on a beach together. Yeah. And they're just, like, looking out. And he's like, oh, I love you so much. And she's like, look at that steamer going by. And he's like, oh, yeah, we could be on that steamer. And she's like, oh, I think I'd get seasick. He's like, yeah, but I'd risk being seasick for you because I love you so much. She's like, I'd risk being seasick for you, too, to go on a nice steamer like that. Flash cut to the, the night Titanic sinks. The only time uh, year card that they flash on the screen that has a specific date on it, by the way. Okay. <laughs> like, all the others are like, it's 1907 or whatever year it is. And they'll tell you within the scene what day it is, probably. But that's the only one where they're like, it's April 12th. <laughs> and then, then they cut and they're standing like together on this, what looks like a like a promenade with the, the railing and everything. They're like, oh, man, wouldn't it be a terrible to die? Yeah, <laughs> dying would really suck. Dying is the worst. But I love you and we're going to have a beautiful life together. They move out of the way. And it's the Titanic life <laughs> dumbest thing i've ever seen <laughs> I, I i knew it like the second i saw it and it was really funny we were just talking about that like zach was trying to figure out where you were talking about i'm like all right i'm wondering if i've missed it yet and i'm gonna feel bad because at first i thought it was that little girl that lost the talent show because she was fucking hilarious <laughs> best, best character in the movie I told them, I was like, I want this little girl to show up screaming at random parts of this fucking movie. (laughs) Like, she's just, you hear her screaming on the boardwalk while they're walking. Like, what the fuck? Where is that coming from? Is that still her? (laughs) (laughs) But, and then, like, no more than five minutes later, I see that scene. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Saw that shit from a mile away. The moment, the moment she said, look at that steamer. I was like. They're going to be on the Titanic. Oh, my God. They're going to be on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was a bit anticlimactic. I mean, especially as much as the Titanic is in our mind these days. And I, I suppose it was still really in the mind being pretty fresh. Then I was mm-hmm. trying to look for something more um, controversial or like 
problematic. It's like, what so that's I what at? I thought I was going to go into. Like, I thought this dude was talking about like the super racist moment that's going to show up on this movie. Yeah, and it ends up just being the most foreshadowed five minutes later scene I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, life. it's one of those things that going through these movies and watching these movies, as much as I hate seeing overt racism, and I do, I, it really turns my stomach and turns me off. I watch every single movie waiting for it. Like when they spent the entire like first scene talking about the boar wars, I was like, Oh my God, is this about to get like really yep. grimy? Uh, and thankfully like they kept away from that. And while, you know, the boar wars was colonialism at, at its worst, um, mm -hmm. they, they kind of kept their foot out of stepping in a giant pile of shit with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's something I was really bracing for during the first scene. So it made me kind of on edge to get into the movie. But when, but my my least favorite kind of writing is that that kind of hindsight 2020 writing where yeah. characters in the movies openly discuss, like, something <laughs> really ironic that's about to happen. And you as an audience member have to sit there and just knowing where it's about to go. Listen to them just grind out this kind of talking oh i'd really no. hate to die tonight on the titanic it would be the worst <laughs> thing in the world oh my god is this really the dialogue we're going with right now well i think that uh that kind of brings up another point for me um that where they really just didn't know how to kill characters in this movie yeah except one <laughs> except one yeah uh, and I, I feel like Zach knows the one that I'm talking about. I'm sure Shaggy does as well, where we got a, uh, meet Joe black moment with a fire brigade <laughs> early in the movie. That was just so well done. <laughs> that dude oh, straight up just got ran the fuck over and they didn't even think about stopping. No, they just, no. they just <laughs> mowed him down in cold blood. That shit yeah. was awesome. <laughs> With his daughter dancing great. there, too. That was a really uh, interesting way to shoot the scene, too. And, oh, yeah. yeah, it was. So, yeah, that uh, it just but like I said, that that was really the only uh, the only death that I thought they did right, because uh, everything else was uh, off screen. Joey's, and just Joey's death was unnecessary completely. I I liked Joey's death. Really? I really did, <laughs> because knowing the budget constraints that they had and the way they had to shoot this, I think they did. I think mm -hmm. they did that really well. Did they even show him dying? No, they or, didn't. Or was it just, no, they, yeah, they were just like, it's the end of the war. Oh, Joey didn't make it right after we just heard they're stopping. Yeah. And, and the whole conversation going on with, with the two mothers about like, I don't, I don't know mm -hmm. if our kids should be together and I don't like this happening. And then she opens the letter and she, looks over at uh, looks over at Ellen and she's like, we well, don't have to worry about it anymore because he's not coming back. I was like, oh man, that hit, that hit me with a gut punch. Uh, that one, I, it was another one I saw coming. I saw that one uh, coming, but they telegraphed it in a completely different way where it, they did. Where they like telegraphed. Yeah, in a telegraph. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well done. Um, where they didn't just spend like the whole seed going, Oh, I really hope Joey doesn't die in the war. That'd be real bad. 
Joey was also one of those characters, uh, and and not by the fault of any of the actors that portrayed him, or well, either of the actors, because as a kid, I fucking hated him. I wanted to beat the shit out of that kid. I wanted to watch him fall off of a bicycle fifty times in a row. And I think you're kind of meant to, which which is why I like the character. Which is yeah, which is good for the actor, but it's just something about that kid. I just wanted to uppercut. Yeah. See, uh, I I can appreciate this movie. I didn't dislike it, but I just feel like if it was a different family, I would have cared more. Um, well, that's well, and I see that as actually kind of the point, though, isn't it? Like you're shown the the two families. You're shown yeah. what was basically nobility on one side, and then the servants on the other, and then kind of where they went from that's there. True. So you're seeing the upper and lower crust. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just yeah, they did focus a lot on more of the loss of those the 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 higher born than they did of the lower born because fanny i mean she was the only child she kind of got what she wanted became famous and then had a really damn good song yeah yeah uh, at the end of the movie like a really good song what was it the uh 20th 20th century blues i think is what it was yeah Yeah. i like the music and and like the production of musical numbers in this yeah, like I said, I, um, I really liked all of Noel Coward's songs. I I thought yeah. they were all wonderful. Uh, but it was just, yeah, seeing seeing what's going on with the two of them. Because once again, this is going from that the end of the Victorian era through, you know, multiple wars, including, you know, a pretty big one, that it really didn't seem like Fanny was a smart person about. You know, <laughs> here we are getting London bombs. She's <laughs> like, let's go to the, the roof. Oh, is that it? <laughs> Like, yeah, bitch, that's the fucking thing that's killing people right now. Let's go. That scene was really cool, though. I was uh, impressed with how eerie it was. It really was. And I was kind of like, once I saw the Zeppelin, I'm like, are they going to find a way to throw the Hindenburg in here? But did the Hindenburg happened yet at this point? Because they did the Titanic like, like 34 that. So or like, maybe the next year. Yeah. Leanne, Leanne was watching this with me. and She asked the same thing. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't think the Hindenburg happened in like real life at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, it just it it was a really good film. I feel like, yeah, like I don't think that they tried to get you to sympathize with anyone outside of the moments. Yeah, because no matter who you are, you know the type of money or your birth or any of that, uh, you know, losing your kids is going to be rough. Yeah. Um, so it's really just the moments that you're supposed to sympathize for, because nothing outside of that affected their anybody's kind of economical state. Right. I mean, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, Ellen. She uh, she kept she kept the bar going. Mm-hmm. So you know she was fine. She looked like she was kind of dressed in more than just plain clothes most of the time. So it was just. Yeah, they were just seeing what they were both on each side. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, they they kind of became a little more middle lower class, lower middle class. However, you want to look at that. Which is also, with that being said, kind of that scene where we find out that Joey died, kind of turned the um, the Jane character really into a bitch for me mm-hmm. because she was still very much stuck in that Victorian mentality of hey, I was born higher than you so why would our kids be together that's not a good thing yeah and i think and that's that's one of those things where i think that's just good writing of the character because it keeps her true to her roots 
because yeah. she's treated it's, it's, she's kind of treated these people like family up to this point now that she's like oh you're gonna try to actually be part of my family uh yeah and, and this is once again uh another benicio del toro moment for me where i don't like benicio del toro because he was too good of an actor in fear and loading in las vegas <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 well done acting outside of like I said I I thought Diana Weiner's constant staring at the fucking camera just bugged the ever loving crap out of me the entire movie and it was like those on purpose moments too like where she would tilt her head down and then look up at the camera I think I would have liked it better if because she was a narrator or something I hate narration unless it's Morgan Freeman telling us to get busy living or get busy dying but uh. Yeah, I, I, I just yeah, everybody in this movie was great. And yeah, I, it, it caused problems because I hated so many characters. I, I, I think this was a real good cast. I enjoyed so much of what they were doing in this. Yeah, I absolutely. You know, the more you're talking about it, the more I'm trying to have some perspective on, you know, how I guess it's like you said, it's more commentary than get inside the life of these specific people. And and, and when it comes to the commentary, this movie does it both subtly and pretty overtly when you get to the end where, you know, you're watching the Geneva Convention while at the same time you're reading all these headlines about the decline of, you know, what how England's like, orgies are everywhere. And then they cut to the church. And I'm just like, all right, so here's where I got confused. Because at the church, he's preaching there's nobody there in the pews, which is kind of, once again, what the movie was trying to say. But the way that the church scenes were kind of cut in that last little montage there, um, what were they trying to say? Were they trying to say that everybody should go back to church? Or are they saying that the church is part of the problem? Uh, I mean, there was something that was trying to be said that I just don't feel like was being said clearly. But it was being said loudly. Yeah, right. Maybe it's one of those things left open to interpretation. That's why I was thinking maybe um, the the issue uh, that came up in the movie was like with the headlines of like orgies and horrible stuff. And then it shows a gay couple. And it's like, a, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, of the times or whatever. But but at the same time, they were doing that in a scene where I mean, you could tell that they were trying to imply that there were promiscuous women there, mm-hmm. that there was the gay couple and that. But then it cuts to the to Fanny singing that song and the people dancing where nobody's really doing anything wrong. Right. None of that is being shown. So is it there? Are they saying, Hey, this is where we're going. Or are they trying to say, Oh, this is where we're going. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I, it's hard to see from a future perspective without seeing the eyes of somebody at that. Point. I, right. Yeah. I I'll say that Noel Coward is pretty young when he writes this play. Play comes out in 31. Noel Coward was born in 1899. So he's like 32. Mm. So it's hard to know if, if he has like a young kind of bohemian perspective on this or if mm-hmm. he's kind of upper crust British because, well, around this time in England, uh, if you don't know, if you are accused of being a homosexual or are a homosexual, uh, they did a thing called forced castration on you. Oh, fun! And they they would pump you so full of chemicals that you just kind of 
lost anything about yourself that made you yourself. Yeah. Uh, which is what happened to Alan Turing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the scientist. Sorry, my puppy's doing something in the room now. I, I'm just thrown off right now. <laughs> that puppy has become a regular cast member. By yeah. The way. <laughs> um. So, yeah, um, Alan Turing, who helped in World War II and should have been seen as a hero, but was... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it would seem that Noel Coward was a gay man. But probably a closeted one, at least in a public in way. public sense. Yeah, yeah, most likely. I can't say I know much about him other than some of the plays he's written. So, so uh, I, I'm just trying to... I'm just trying to work all this in as context to, to what you're talking about, how... Yeah. Sure, how sure. No, it makes sense. That probably was not a condemnation of the more uh, fast-paced, well, affluent lifestyle. It was probably more of a, hey, uh, old people, get off our backs. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, that, now that I'm learning sense. something, too. And once again, it puts uh, some of the rest of the movie into more context, too, because you're kind of like just what you said, hey, old people, knock your shit off, kind of brings how... Uh, Jane acted in that scene where she's just very stuck in her ways. So yeah, he was definitely more of a condemnation of those thoughts. Right. So, all right, gents, any other, uh, any other, anything else you want to bring up about the movie? Um, I did read a note that apparently this was a big hit as a play over in England because of how the West End theaters are bigger than uh, Broadway theaters, and they got mm-hmm. away with a lot of this stuff on stage, but it never really had a uh, Broadway theatrical run because yeah. it it's too big of a production. Yeah, uh, I could see that. But yeah. when they went to go make the movie, they had to make it in Hollywood because there was no England sound stages that were big enough to to do <laughs> what they wanted. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, nice. I'm. I mean, I'll say, despite my lukewarm introduction, I I enjoyed the movie overall. I was impressed by, um, it won an Oscar for art direction. Is that what it was? Yes, which uh, I think uh, it absolutely deserved. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, those montage scenes. I I don't know <laughs> a whole lot about um the science behind making them, but thinking about before computers and all, it must have been. Yeah, I was intense. thinking the same thing. Yeah, uh, cutting and overlaying those montages. Yeah, yeah, I can I can imagine a lot of the budget going to that, which is why they don't have like full fledged war scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was okay with that after watching. You know, we've seen a couple of intense war war films already. So yeah, our, seeing the other side yep, of that was good. That ain't ending anytime yeah, soon. Our third, uh, our third <laughs> film to deal with World War One in in six weeks. Um, did, does, do you have any um? preservation notes or uh, anything about this well uh would you like to guess whether or not this is in the film registry i'm going to guess that it's not that's my my feeling that it's not it is not uh and my assumption would be just because it's even though filmed in hollywood it is very much a british film yeah um though so putting that into the uh, that that doesn't library congress that doesn't account for much sure sure. uh because um other foreign films up to this point have been put in. Now I'm okay. now I'm like going through them. I'm having a trouble finding them. Uh, Sunrise, the <laughs> F.W. Marnow film is in there. Um, okay. 
I was going to say, there's got to be some George Milliers in here. Anyway, yeah, there's there's other foreign films in. What was the name? Which one? Well, what name did you just say? Uh, George Milliers. I just quit, quit trying to French it up, Joe. Dirt. Your name's Joe George Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, boys. So I think it's now time to ask some very important questions. And you know what I'm going to do from now on? I'm going to ask Paul first. Okay, I think we just I think we discussed this last week. So yeah, that's uh that's fine by me. So Paul, did this movie deserve Best Picture? I, Especially against ten movies or well nine other movies. I I have a hard time saying no because I think it is a good film, and I think it really is a grand undertaking that encompassed so much and did so much in the time frame. I think it's a beautiful film. Uh, the art direction is gorgeous and the, all, almost all the performances are on point. It's hard for me to say no, but I do have two films that I would have picked for best picture that didn't get nominated. <laughs> Here, they Here they come. Are you ready for this? Cause you, you are going to be so pissed in a second. <laughs> what universal monster <laughs> film got screwed this uh, time? Creature from a black lagoon. Uh, not a universal film. But uh, I believe RKO. Now I got to look. Now, now you've put this in my head. Ah. Yes. Screwed me over here. Um, I've got a few in my mind right now that I'm. Yeah. RKO. Uh, King Kong. Son of a bitch. <laughs> King Kong uh, came out in 1933. And since the entire year of 1933 was eligible for this year, it, I don't have to like qualify it. What date it came out. Uh, King Kong came out in 1933 and one of my favorite pictures, uh, I love that film to death. And another one of my all time favorites came out in 1933 and did not get nominated for best picture and should have won duck soup. The Marx brothers film. I knew it. I knew you were going to pick that. It's, it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. Damn. I mean, it has some of my just all time favorite lines in film history, including, Hey, you think Fredonia's bad now? Wait till we get done with it. (laughs) all right zach knowing that information is this the best picture does this deserve the best picture um i i i say no um although it's got the pedigree that's more likely to win than a film like duck soup but i recall liking both little women and a farewell to arms more than this uh plus King Kong and um, the Invisible Man, uh, but mm. again, it's hard to say whether they're all any of those are really. So there was a Universal monster movie in there. I'm I'm trying to keep them short because I could go on all day. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, so I probably would have gone with King Kong though. Um, King Kong's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as for me, I. <sighs> God, and this is once again the downfall of listening to Paul first, but <laughs> I, Duck Soup not getting it is just kind of one of those, again, comedy is just looked over so often, but at, did it get, it got a nomination though, right? No, no it didn't even, okay. Well, they so, nominated for anything. Yeah, so again, fuck the Academy. <laughs> I, I, just not taking comedy into really any true consideration. And I know during this time, I've seen Chaplin. They don't like comedy actors and shit like that. But I mean, yeah, and Chaplin, I, I Chaplin just, gets some love I, at the first Oscars. But yeah, in fact, I I just picked uh, the circus up. 
Nice. Which, uh, was nominated for, I think, the best uh, artistic feature in the first Academy Awards. So that's one I need nice. to see. Well, you're, you're welcome um, to borrow. Thank you. And and I have a, a very similar philosophy to Paul of I like watching monsters destroy shit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, King Kong probably definitely deserved it more. But again, being such a comedy fan that I am watching it get snubbed just pisses me off beyond belief. And I really liked this movie. It, 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 for, for, it's so smart. Like, it, the, how, how much is layered into this movie? Just clever, I'm sure. Really, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and King Kong coming out this year makes me really upset that they did away with the uh, uh, what was the name of that category in the first year? The engineering effects. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. King Kong should have definitely been there to win engineering effects. Uh, the Invisible Man, too. Oh, my God. The, the fact that in the 1930s they made it look like a human being was not on screen is insane. <laughs> yes. I can't even think of how they did yes. that. It's so wild. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, this as much as I did enjoy this movie, it, it did not deserve best picture. So uh we'll go ahead and we'll do a little snake draft here. Uh Jonathan, is this the worst best picture? Thank you, Jonathan. Um <laughs> No. No, it's not. The Broadway melody is still just absolute garbage. And uh I don't see that changing anytime soon. Zach? I'll have to agree there. Uh, Broadway Melody, um, boring sack of crap. <laughs> In, indeed. Indeed. And Shaggy, what do you think? Uh, no. no. Uh, right now, I think this is sitting at my number three spot. So, Ooh, nice. Uh, yeah, it eked out uh, last week's movie. My brain just died. Grand Hotel. Yeah. Grand Hotel. It just Grand eked Hotel. out Grand Hotel. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think this might be my number two. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Bump. It's my it's my bottom three, uh, but I, I still like it. Okay. But um, uh, Broadway Melody and Cimarron are my bottom two. Yeah, mine too. I, I think we I think we all have the same bottom two. Well, okay. So this is what? Number six? Yeah. Okay. So I got All Quiet. This one, Grand Hotel. And what was the other three? Wings. Like wings. wings. Ooh, hold on. Oh, this might be number three. I forgot about Wings. <laughs> I was wondering. Yeah. 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 This one's going to be number three. Yeah. So I think we all pretty, pretty close. I, I was going to say, I think, I think that might put me and you at the exact same ranking right now, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, I think it does. <laughs> Because I, d- I didn't hate Cimarron as much as you two, but I think with such a small sample size, right now the ranking is going to be the That's same. fair. Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week we are watching It Happened One Night, which you can find on Amazon or the u- usuals like YouTube or Google Play, Vudu, and iTunes, or through Paul's window on his new shiny Criterion copy. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us, folks. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, you can, yeah. Well, you can catch me, Jonathan Pierce, at Facebook as Jonathan Pierce. Catch me on Quid- Twitter. Catch me on Twitter. <laughs> nice. Catch you on Quibi? What? Quib- yeah, you can catch me on Quibi. <laughs> uh, currently filming with a uh, trash bag around my crotch. <laughs> 
Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Altorn <laughs> underscore Occam. You can also catch me on Twitch playing video games at twitch.tv slash Altorn underscore Occam, where you can also catch me and Paul watching some Razzie movies. I uh, just got finished watching Blue Chips not yesterday, so that was... It's a really good movie. Surprisingly good movie. Like, surprisingly good movie. I, I also forgot so. that I have uh, the writer of Blue Chips, Ron Shelton, who also did uh, Bull Durham. I have his mm-hmm. uh, Criterion director-approved sticker on the back of my, my laptop right now. <laughs> nice. Very nice. What are you watching next? Uh, Do you know yet? Next. Oh, <laughs> yeah. movie next? Then movie next starring yes. Nicolas Cage. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we will have just watched that. By the time this drops, so okay, yeah. So we're yeah. always because uh, we record like a week and a half before we drop the episodes. We're always yeah. kind of ahead of it. But you can also, like I said, you can catch us doing that. We are if you have an Amazon Prime membership, watch us on Thursdays at uh, eleven p.m. ten p.m. Central, eleven p.m. Eastern, ten p.m. Central. There you go, Zach. Where can people find on you? Nickelodeon. Well, they can find me on Critiker. At Zach Master, spelled with the X, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Father of the Fear. You can follow me on uh, Letterbox, that's letter B-O-X-D dot com, backslash Vaudevillian. Or uh, you can look me up by name. You can follow me on Critiker, also Vaudevillian, but there it's spelled with an E because I spelled it right there. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pod and on Facebook at the Worsty Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really, really helps us to be seen in the algorithm, and we love being seen on the algorithm. For Jonathan and Zach, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day.